All right, tonight we are going to meditate on a single verse in Psalm 118, which is Psalm 118.22. Out of the 2,461 verses in Psalms, Pastor Brad only trusted me with one, so um, that's the one we're going to meditate on tonight. Um, It should be written in your notes, and I'll go ahead and read it aloud for us. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The main point of our passage tonight is that salvation comes through Jesus Christ alone. And this is the primary hope in which the church is built. Salvation comes through Jesus Christ alone. And this is the primary hope in which the church is built. So to give a little context for our passage, it is important to note that the book of Psalms is a collection of writings by multiple authors designed as a prayer guide for God's people as they wait for the coming Messiah and his kingdom. Our particular passage is a piece of a poem about this messianic kingdom written over 500 years before Christ's birth. In this chapter, the author wants us to meditate on God's steadfast love that endures forever, particularly his love that is revealed in the salvation he offers through the Messianic King, his son. So in order to thoroughly reflect on this passage, I want to ask ourselves three questions that will guide our discussion tonight. And hopefully it will also help me stay organized. We will work through these three questions and in with application, all in roughly 10 minutes. Hopefully. We'll see. So the three questions that will serve as our three points are, who is the stone the builders rejected? Who are the builders who rejected the stone? And what does it mean that the rejected stone has become the cornerstone? So first question, who is the stone that the builders rejected? Well, I think I already gave the answer away in the main point, but if you didn't catch it, the answer is the answer to every Sunday school answer, and that is Jesus. Yes, starting off with a softball question uh, here, Jesus is a stone that the builders rejected. But how do we know this? Well, over 500 years after this passage was written, Luke, the physician, wrote a very helpful testimony in Acts 4 that clearly explains the verse we are looking at tonight. We will use this passage in Acts like a crutch um, to help us understand our passage in Psalms. So I encourage you to turn to Luke's testimony of Peter and John found in Acts 4.10. To give some context of this passage, Peter and John two of Jesus' disciples, have just been released from jail for sharing their faith in Jesus Christ. And shortly after they are released, they are questioned by the rulers, by the elders and the scribes. They're questioned with this, by what power or by what name do you teach and heal? And bold Peter, as always, responds in verse 10 with this declaration, let it be known to all of you in all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, 
By him, this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is a stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Amen. Here Peter answers all of our questions in regards to our passage in Psalm 118.22. So let's look closer at what he says. Um, Let's look closer at what he says. First he says in verse 10 that it is the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth that he teaches and heals. Then he says in verse 11 that this Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders. So Peter makes it abundantly clear who the stone is that the builders rejected. And I'm really thankful for this because without this explanation, I probably wouldn't have made that connection <laughs> for if it wasn't for Peter outright saying, Jesus is the stone that you rejected. So thank you, Peter, for making that clear. Now this understanding of Christ being the stone is not only held by Peter, but it is also held by Jesus in Matthew 21, where Jesus quotes our passage tonight um, and references himself as a stone. And this understanding is also held by Paul in Ephesians 2.20, who makes it clear that Jesus Christ himself is the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. So Peter does not stand alone in this view that Jesus is the stone that is talked about in Psalm 118.22. I know he can be hard to trust sometimes, as we saw in our sermon passage this morning, but this one we can trust him on. Jesus is the stone that the builders rejected. So if Jesus is the stone, who are the builders who rejected Jesus? This is our second question. Well, Peter also makes this clear in the same passage in Acts by saying, or in the same passage in Acts by saying in verse 11, this Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders. Peter accuses the chief priests, Pharisees, Sadducees, elders, rulers, and scribes of being the builders that rejected Christ. Now, I feel like rejection is a light word to use here for what these religious leaders actually did to our Lord. At least it is in my mind. I don't know about you, but whenever I think about rejection, I think about a girl rejecting guy who asks her on a date, or a kid being rejected at school at lunch and left alone to sit alone. But when we see that the builders rejected Jesus here, We have to understand the severity of the rejection in order to understand the splendor of the redemption. These religious leaders didn't just leave Jesus to sit at a cafeteria table alone. No, they despised him. They ridiculed him. They mocked him. They slapped his face, hit his head, spit on his feet. Their rejection of him led to the most grueling death in history. But as we learned this morning, it was necessary for Christ to be rejected by these leaders because this ultimately led to the cross so that he could be raised in victory 
for us. And that leads us to our third and final question. What does it mean that the rejected stone has become the cornerstone? Well, according to Google, a cornerstone is the first, set, first stone set in the construction of a masonry foundation. All other stones will be set in reference to this one stone, thus determining the position of the entire structure. This is profound. Google. All other stones will be set in reference to this one stone, thus determining the entire structure. That is the definition of a cornerstone. Can you picture it? A cornerstone of a building being the first set stone. It usually has a plaque of the builder's name on it. Looking back at our passage, what is this stone that all other stones will be set in reference to? Well, thankfully, Peter has one more explanation for us in Acts 4.11. Peter says, This Jesus is a stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone, quoting our passage. And check this out. He explains what this means. He explains this profound mystery of Christ becoming the cornerstone in verse 12. And there is, no, there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Jesus, the stone the builders rejected, became the only stone that could save This is what it means that he became the cornerstone, and this is the stone in which our church is built. Salvation through Christ alone. All right, now I'm going to hit a couple, a few applications before we leave. First, do not reject this Jesus, for he is our only hope for salvation. If you are in this room and you do not profess to be a follower of Christ, my plea to you is do not reject this Jesus. Consider him because he is our only hope for salvation. The Bible talks about how all men have fallen short and sinned against a holy God. And this sin separates us from him. And all men, in order to be redeemed to this holy God, must repent of their sins, turn away from their sins, their wicked ways, evil ways, and turn to him. Ultimately, turning to Christ, who came and lived a perfect life, died on the cross, and rose again, defeating death for you and I, so that whoever would believe in him would be saved. So I plead with you tonight, If you have not considered this Christ, please talk with me after service. Let's have a discussion. I urge you to consider him, for he is the only hope for salvation. Second, the second application is make Christ the cornerstone of your life. This may sound simple and straightforward as most of this teaching is, 
But oh, how easy it is to trade Christ for lesser stones. Just look at the builders, look at the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the ones who claim to know God. It was so easy to build and do work for God. And also at the same time forget to be with God. Especially for us who are involved in ministry, um, pastors, seminary students, interns, disciples, do not trade Christ for lesser stones. Such as family, friends, money, success, happiness, these things are very important, but they should not go before Christ. They are fleeting and not what you want to build your life upon. As a church, the church, we must prioritize the gospel. The gospel must be the cornerstone in which all other stones are set in reference to. Christ must be our primary focus. So prioritize your time with him. In prayer, in the word, do not let these lesser stones take your gaze off of Christ. How easy it is to forget that. How easy it is to trade Christ for these lesser stones. Make Christ the cornerstone of your life. Third and lastly, rejoice in the hope that is set before us. The psalmist concludes our chapter with this. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. We have ample cause to rejoice in the hope that is set before us tonight. For this hope is secure, it is unwavering, it is enduring forever. A hope founded not in the fleeting pleasures of this world, but a hope founded on Christ, our rock and our redeemer. An eternal hope that is found in Christ alone. Let's rejoice in this hope. One of the greatest examples of rejoicing in this hope that I have ever seen uh, was in my grandmother. Um, and as, as many of you guys know, uh, she passed away this past week. Um, and I've, I've been thankful uh, for a church that prays. Um, she was the sweetest, most faithful woman I have ever known, and it has been the hardest loss that I've ever had to endure. But as, as I reflected on this passage, as I reflected on this hope, I was reminded of the hope that she had in Christ. This, this hope that she has in this cornerstone. The hope that her soul would not be cast to Sheol. She had this hope in Christ, and that gave her ample cause to rejoice, even on her deathbed. Even when she saw me crying by her bed, these were her words. It's okay, mijo. Christ will bring me home. Beloved, do you have this hope tonight?
Let's pray. Father, I thank you for revealing this truth to us that Christ is indeed the cornerstone that we can cast our hope on. That our hope is not founded on something that is fleeting before our feet, beneath our feet. Father, I thank you that you are steadfast, that you are good, that you are holy, and that you will endure forever. Father, would we set our gaze upon you? Would we make you our cornerstone? And we would, would we rejoice in this hope always? I pray all of this in Christ's name. Amen.